You know, ever since Mario Cristobal left Oregon for Miami, I've seen him criticized in a number of different ways. Some fair, a lot of it unfair, but I never in a million years thought they'd start to go after his recruiting. You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host, South Florida native, University of Miami alum, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for the Miami Hurricanes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and we're also available free on YouTube. So, recent piece for The Athletic couple of anonymous coaching agents. And you notice whenever someone drops the hammer, they don't tend to put their name on it. <laughs> but a couple of anonymous coaching agents have criticized Mario Cristobal. Uh, one of them was primarily criticizing his decision to leave Oregon with the Phil Knight, Nike money, and the resources to come to Miami. We see a lot of that. Uh, we can get to that a little bit later. But the one that I really want to zoom in on is an anonymous coaching agent who called out Mario Cristobal as a recruiter. Here's the quote. I don't know if Cristobal is necessarily the guy you should be afraid of. Like, what has he done that's been so great? Everybody talks about how good of a recruiter he is. How come he didn't have a quarterback outside of inheriting Justin Herbert? <laughs> So, okay, real quick, and we're going to bring in our guest, our awesome guest, John Garcia Jr. So calling out Cristobal as a recruiter, um, John can give us more details on how all this stuff went down at Oregon. Let's also keep in mind Mario Cristobal was running Nick Saban's recruiting operation while he was at Alabama. Saban called him the best recruiter in the country. Uh, Cristobal, and obviously at FIU, you're recruiting a different caliber of player, but I thought he did a really good job uh, as a recruiter at FIU as well. But for Mario Cristobal's three full recruiting cycles as head coach at Oregon, he had the number eight overall class in 2019, the number 14 overall class in 2020, and the number seven overall class in 2021. So if he's a bad recruiter, I'll take bad over what we've had in the past number of years. So let's bring him in. Ah, the man, the myth, the legend, John Garcia Jr., the head of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Uh, John, did you ever think you'd see a day, and you do this for a living, the recruiting stuff specifically, did you ever think you'd see Mario Cristobal get called out as a recruiter? Not really. Um, it, it's hard to argue with the success uh, and then even, you know, the class of 22, he set up at Oregon to finish, you know, there in the top 10. You know, he, he built most of that foundation. So I think every full cycle he had up in Eugene, they had the number one class in the Pac-12, which is not easy when USC is in the Pac-12. Yet Oregon, you know, really became the dominant singular recruiting force in that conference under his watch. Uh, so I was surprised, uh, especially with the recruiter comments. Uh, everybody understands why he's such a good recruiter, charismatic, energetic, knowledgeable. And, and now the experience is starting to pile up 
for Mario, just in terms of all the places he's been, the different type of players and regions that he has had to recruit and done so successfully. I, I think maybe if this was out when he was going up to Oregon, maybe you could craft that argument because, hey, he's a, a down south guy. He's a Miami guy. He recruited in the SEC and the ACC. And even at FIU, you're not really going outside of that footprint very much. So maybe at that point, yeah, let's see, hey, can he do it on the West Coast? That was really the only box that he hadn't necessarily checked. But, you know, Oregon was more successful in California than USC while he was there. So wow. regardless of where the rankings were, uh, he got the job done from a talent acquisition uh, you know, standpoint at Oregon. And even at quarterback, you know, Ty Thompson, who might beat out Bo Nix uh, right now for, for the job at Oregon, was one of the best quarterbacks in the country two years ago. Uh, that was a massive battle uh, and recruiting win that that he spearheaded for the Ducks. And, you know, they brought in a grad transfer that year as well. So, you know, that's that's still recruiting. Right. Uh, last right. time I checked. So not not <laughs> the the best quarterback guy or, or or one who's attached to that position. But there was always talent uh, at quarterback when, when he was there as well. So, you know, I. I wonder, I, I really want to know who the coach is, but I wonder more so the program he represents uh, because right. I'd be curious to to kind of go side by side there. But yeah, I think what you said about Nick Saban's, you know, compliments of, of Mario, uh, and that was years ago at this point. So, you know, he's only built on that and, and now he's at Miami. So I think, you know, the ceiling for his ability to recruit, we're, we're still probably trying to figure that out, but it's very high. Uh, the the floor is even high, so I'm I'm just as surprised as everyone else. I think I do think head coaches get a little bit too much credit in recruiting, just in general, because there's you know some of these groups and and Miami's included, they've they've got dozens of people you know in that recruiting department, staffers, folks cutting up tape, um, the hostesses who who host everyone on campus. There's there's a whole organization that recruits, and the head coach maybe gets too much credit or blame like the quarterback, but that's the position, right? You are the face of, of the program that has you know, otherwise a ton of transition, right? Players are in and yeah. out all the time. You only have so much eligibility. So the head coach is kind of the face of all these college programs. So for better or worse, they're attached to, to uh, the credit or glory that, that comes associated with any title or perception. So I'm I'm surprised that that it came out. No, nobody said he's the best recruiter in America or the best head coach recruiter in America, but he's in the conversation. And that alone keeps you in the ballgame with with big time targets all over the country, just like Miami is involved with right now. Absolutely. And, you know, as far as a lot of the different criticisms that have come in on Cristobal, um, I don't really argue some of the game day stuff, and I've seen that a lot. Like, hey, he's you know he's going to make some poor decisions, not taking knees when you should take knees, clock management. Like, I get some of that stuff, and right from the get go, I said, you know, if I made my before Cristobal was officially hired and he was rumored, you know, I ran through a pros and cons list, and the pros outweighed the cons. But in my cons list, I did have you know not the best game day coach. I kind of put him into like the sort of the Butch Davis category of what Butch used to be, where tremendous recruiter, not going to make all the right game day decisions. And so, okay, the, the other anonymous criticism that came in on Cristobal, um, you know, it kind of talks about just the difference in facilities and resources between Miami and Oregon. And I get that. Uh, Miami's trying to close that gap. I mean, John and I talked on our episode, I think, 
two weeks ago about $100 million investments for the practice facilities at Miami. Uh, they said, quote, I think that Miami made a great hire in Mario, but I'm not sure if Mario Cristobal made a great move in going from Oregon to Miami. I think that Oregon is substantially better positioned because of Phil Knight and Nike and their infrastructure to be successful over the long horizon of what college uh, sports may look like over the next decade than Miami. He's basically in a rebuilding situation at Miami and at an institution that has resources but will never have the same resources or fan support that Oregon has. I'm, I'm sure people will argue the fan support part of it because it's <laughs> like, you know, if Miami's good, they become the team of the city, That right? I mean, you know, South Florida, it's – People are not going to go out of their way to support a team when it's not winning. But I was around for the 80s and 90s, so I know how the fan support can be. But, you know, you can you can speak on this, John, as far as resources versus hotbeds. Because Oregon, Oregon has among the best resources in the country. Um, it is, though, a, you, you don't have so much homegrown talent in the state. You have to go outside the state versus Miami has less resources but it's in a hotbed. So what do you think is the better place to recruit? Yeah, I, I think there's, I mean, there's no question that Miami geographically is, is volumes. I mean, Miami's a top, gosh, three job in the country geographically. I think LSU, Miami, Georgia, I'd probably put in that conversation because Atlanta's becoming maybe the most important metro area in, in America to recruit. But Dayton Broward is right there, obviously. Um, and then New Orleans per capita is as, as good as it gets. Uh, and there's no other in-state, you know, power five school in Louisiana. So I've always contended that that may be the best job in the country, all things even. But again, Miami's in that conversation geographically. Um, and it just hasn't had the the right guy to keep those kids home. And, and it's going to be an uphill battle for Mario, but there's no doubt that the potential uh, to keep kids home gives Miami a higher ceiling. Uh, and look, it the whole rebuilding thing. I'm like, relative to what? What 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 are you rebuilding? You know, in terms of a college football playoff team, yeah, of course. But even Oregon is rebuilding in, in that sense. I mean, there's only there's only a few programs you could kind of shoe in to be in that mix every year. Uh, and Oregon's not one of them. Miami is not one of them at this point. So in that sense, yes, rebuilding. But in reality the ability to win eight, nine, 10 games is there. We think right out of the gate for Miami. So I don't think, you know, that coach is, is very uh, in tune with the Miami roster and, and honestly, the Miami schedule, the ACC is, is yeah. down, you know, relative to five years ago. So I think that helps with the transition like this, but yeah, I, I think all things, even for a coach with no association between the two schools, Yes, you can make the argument that Oregon is better and more sustainable long term, although I would also argue that Lincoln Riley at USC means that USC will return to that post in the Pac-12, in my mind. Oregon winning five Pac-12 recruiting titles in a row, I, I think that will slow down at some point. doesn't mean they can't get it every other year, but that dominance and consistency, I do think that that will change. Um, but if you look at it from Mario's perspective, I mean, it, it's – there's so much personal and emotional uh, tie to Miami that you you can't look at it from an even perspective because it isn't right. There's I think when he was there, I was talking to somebody close to him and there was only two jobs that I think he would up and leave for. It was, of course, Miami. And I think Alabama was the other one because of the experience he had there. And, you know, he was kind of pleasantly surprised at, at, you know, how much, you know, he liked it. 
Um, so I think, and obviously the prestige speaks for itself. I think anybody would be smart to at least, you know, consider that job whenever it opens. Um, but that was it, you know? So I think that um, we get lost in the perception of making a business decision for, for one person, but he's got so many ties uh, to the U that, you know, even though it still wasn't easy and a no brainer and definitely took more time than a lot of us anticipated, uh, but it was still it was still the dream job for him. It was an itch he had to scratch before all was said and done. And his profile as a head coach had never been higher than it was, you know, in November and December. So you have to take advantage of those things. And, you know, so you could craft that argument from a business perspective as well. So it, it really does work both ways. But um, a lot of those were surprising comments is, is my long roundabout way of saying that. And that's very well said. And by the way, guys, it's June. Big month for official visits has begun. We're going to go through some specific prospects, four and five stars, some stud safeties, corners, and athletes with John Garcia. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever number of increasing makes and models out there, it makes my head spin. It's now really impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why would you endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning like, hey, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then you've got to wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. Guys, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. And I'm so glad I became aware of Rock Auto because I've got an older car. Every now and then you have to order parts. And guys, the savings, they are undeniable. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Like if you have that Honda Odyssey, you need a new fuel pump. If you buy that from a chain store, $353. It's only $216 from Rock Auto. Why would you deny yourself a saving like that? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 30 years. They have everything you could need, including brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On Canes in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. We have an important favor to ask you guys. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked on podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked on Podcasts. Go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey right now and get started. It won't take very long. And everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take uh, our audience survey, again, here's the website. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thank you for your help. Alex Dono here on Locked On Canes alongside John Garcia Jr. So, John, uh, a recent addition to the official visits list for the month of June in Miami, four-star safety Jonelle Aguero from Massachusetts is going to be visiting June 24th. What can you tell me about this player who's obviously very highly rated and if Miami has a shot here? Yeah, you know, Jonelle was at IMG Academy last year. Uh, so when when he was down in, in the state, he was able to, to get his feet wet with Miami Hurricane Angle uh, and then 
it remained as such through the transition, even though he moved back up to Massachusetts. He was recently in town for an unofficial visit, and obviously things went well enough for him to go ahead and schedule that official visit. And his timeline has been really interesting, Alex. You know, when we were in the fall before all the coaching carousel craziness that we saw, you know, Aguero was locking in. Like he was getting very close to making a decision. And if he had went through with it, I think Ohio State might have been that school for him. There was a push from Georgia at the end of the fall uh, as well. So I think he'd have been a Buckeye or a Bulldog. And those two are still very much in the mix. Uh, but the time where, where he's taken a step back has allowed for other schools to start to climb in the mix, particularly those with new coaching staffs. So Miami, LSU in particular are two that are sort of climbing up his list. And there's a bit of a sense that the longer his recruitment goes, the better it is for Miami and or LSU. And, and between the two, I think Miami's done a better job of, of prioritizing him and, and playing consistent with him on the recruiting trail. He took unofficial visits to each, but of course now we'll take the official uh, to Miami uh, later this month. Uh, and that's big, right? Because uh, Ohio State and Georgia are still probably the two schools that um, are, are closer to the driver's seat. Although, again, his timeline is totally wide open at this point, uh, but but he's arguably the best safety in the country. Uh, I think at times last year, IMG secondary is always loaded, right? Last year they signed guys to uh, Michigan, Clemson, and Georgia. Um, and in that group, the underclassman was Aguero, and, and at times he was the best player in that secondary last year. He played corner and safety. He's about 6'1 or so. He's got that hybrid ability to do both, uh, but he probably profiles a little bit better as a safety down the line, maybe with some nickel capabilities. Of course, those roles intertwine a lot in, in a lot of defenses, but he's a playmaker. He can run. He's big. He's physical. He has kind of the total package going for him, and, and obviously everybody's clamoring to get that type of talent on the roster. So if you're a Canes fan, obviously get to the official you hope he likes it, and then you kind of hope that uh, he he stays uncommitted for some time because I do think he's got just more history and experience with some other programs on his list. But if that list continues to expand, you feel good about your chances going forward. I like it. Now, another safety who's visiting uh, earlier this month, June 9th, Jaden Bonzu from New Jersey. Uh, I'm actually surprised he's only a three-star because I've heard him hyped up quite a bit, so he's probably on like the higher end of yeah. three stars. What can you tell me about this guy? Yeah, this is another one in that part of the country that you watch him play and you're like, this kid's from Jersey? Uh, same school as as Minka Fitzpatrick. And he oh, has some of, those, some of those qualities. Now, he's not as – I mean, Minka could literally do everything. Uh, I don't think he can play corner at, at a high level like Minka could have. Um, but everything else is is relatively similar. And, and Bonsu's bigger than Minka is now, right? So he's already 6'2", maybe 205. Minka's probably six foot, six one, 200 pounds. So he's bigger today than the, you know, former first round pick uh, of the Dolphins uh, who's thriving in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I like the versatility, of course. Uh, he's a guy who plays a lot of offense. He plays all over the field, uh, but he's really a, kind of a, a, a classic safety in his build. Uh, and he plays downhill, uh, but but he can play in coverage as well. Um, and it's kind of the same schools, which is interesting. Uh, he mm -hmm. just visited Georgia unofficially. He's going to take an official to Ohio State and Miami, 
this month. Uh, I believe Miami gets the first trip here, though. So I do think that is a little bit more advantageous positionally uh, than with Aguero. But I do think he's also closer, Bonsu is, to making a decision. So I do think it's more paramount for Miami to make a strong impression during the official visit uh, because, you know, he could be closing in on a decision between uh, some of these programs. There are some others involved, but most feel like it's those those same three, Miami, Georgia, and Ohio State. So you, you almost get curious, like, how much is Georgia pushing uh, for Bonsu relative to Aguero? How much is Ohio State pushing for those two as well? Ohio State's already got multiple DBs committed, and so does Georgia. So you, you start to wonder when the numbers get involved, maybe Miami can get a fortuitous bounce or two with, with some big-time recruits because both of those guys profile like, like modern – versatile safeties who can do a lot and, and they're both physically college ready from a height and weight and athleticism standpoint and obviously when you're in a transition coaching staff that's a big deal on the recruiting trail so uh, since you and i last spoke uh you know last week we talked about an athlete uh in collins of champo another athlete who projects out as a pass rusher an even higher touted one a five-star has put miami on his finalists and that's Nicole's Harbor from D.C., Archbishop Carroll, D.C., uh, an absolute stud track. Like, this guy could be an Olympian in Crazy. track. I watched him run the 100. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is so <laughs> fast, and he's so tall at six foot five. So, um, you know, I, I don't – Miami is not considered to be, like, as high on the projected list as some others. So how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I, I think – yeah, one of the maybe the most physically unique prospect in the country. Uh, no disrespect to any other position, but when you're 6'5, 235, 240, and you're running 10 2 or 10 1 in the 100, it is absurd. It, it is, it is just when you watch it, it just doesn't really look real. Uh, just picture a guy who's more physically built than like a DK Metcalf running faster than DK Metcalf as a 17 year old. It is it is really, really wild. Um, so, yeah, everybody wants him, right? Uh, he could play tight end. He could be a pass rusher. Uh, he just he, He's just scratching the surface at this point. Uh, he's, he's got a top group of schools. I believe he just dropped a top eight. Miami is, of course, in there. But I think what's different about Harbor, in addition to his athleticism, is his timeline is totally slow. So this uh, is great for Miami because, like you said, other schools probably have more buzz, right? Maryland is the local school. He's been there a billion times. Uh, he's developed a relationship with Georgia, uh, some of these other schools uh, that is maybe more longstanding than what he's got at Miami. Uh, but two things for the Kane angle. One, he's going to take the official in June. And two, he said since Crystal Ball has taken over, no program has efforted him more and hit him up more than Miami. So he's starting – to feel that love from the Canes. And, and, it's and a I good saw time a quote from him that. that was kind of cool. Like he specifically said, like he, he was on the phone with Ed Reed and Jason Taylor, who are, you know, a couple of pro football hall of famers working on the Miami staff. So that seemed to make an impression on him as well. Absolutely. I mean, how could it not uh, at this point? So he'll get a chance to sit down with those guys uh, in Coral Gables, which I think will be a huge deal. Uh, but then you have to stay in the race thereafter. So I think he's one of those kids where the on-field impression, I do think, starts to matter because he is nowhere close to deciding at, at this point. He's not even sure if he's going to sign in December. He might be Ooh. a February guy because he is going to stay in school, not graduate early. He's going to run track as a senior because, like you said, Alex, he's got – 
great track aspirations. Um, so I think that factors in how you approach this recruitment uh, because, you know, you can go all in and, and hit them up like crazy, but can you stay consistent with it all the way until maybe next year? That becomes a totally different conversation. But with a talent like that, I think all the schools that are still in it for Harbor will try to stay in that mix. But yeah, I think at the earliest he decides in December. Uh, so there's a long way to go in this recruitment and there's time for movement within his top group. And I think Miami, because they're getting one of the first official visits, will have an opportunity to surge up sooner than some of the others. Uh, so that's a good position for the Canes to be on. Dude, we're always so, John is so loaded with info. This is going to have to be to be continued. We talk with John every week. So many more names I want to get to. We're going to pick up where we left off a week from now. In the meantime, follow this man, John Garcia underscore junior on Twitter. He is the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. John Garcia, you have a wonderful rest of your week, sir. Likewise, my guy. Take care. Take care. Awesome. And guys, we're, we're not done, by the way, on this episode. We've got to talk about when we come back, Blake James. Blake James, is he about to land on his feet at another ACC, ACC, if I can speak correctly, athletic director job? I don't know what the odds were for this, for Blake James to land immediately at another ACC AD job. But if there were odds on it, I'm sure our partners at Bet Online have it. Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs. We're headed to the finals now. Major League Baseball scores, fights, even next season's NFL futures. Guys, I'm on there all the time at Bet Online. I'm checking the UFC odds. I'm checking the international soccer, college football futures, Miami Hurricanes. Eight and a half is the over-under on wins this coming season, plus 500 to win the ACC. So check out Miami's numbers there. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Pete Thamel from ESPN reported on Tuesday that Boston College has zeroed in on our old friend Blake James to become their new athletic director that they want to have continuity and they're looking at someone because Blake James does have ACC athletic director experience. They want someone with that proven AD experience in the ACC proven. Um, I want to try to be nice. <laughs> I want to try to be nice. And I think in the next couple of days, I'm going to be joining our buddy AJ black on locked on Boston college to talk about Blake James my mom always told me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. I, I've got to say something, though. Um, Blake James, pretty good fundraiser. Pretty good when it comes to ticket sales, because that's the background. Before he became AD of Miami, he was heading up the ticket department and then became interim AD, then became the AD full-time after Sean Eichhorst bolted. Um, so... He's someone who's not going to rattle the cage. Um, you know, he's going to be more than happy to help Boston College prioritize the academics, do some fundraisers. Don't expect him to make any crazy requests or demands. Going to be very conservative, going to be very do everything by the book. That didn't work for Miami. If that's what Boston College is looking for, you know, someone who's 
not ambitious and kind of unremarkable, but it's just going to get the job done and not ruffle any feathers. That's the man for the job. But, you know, unfortunately, Blake James just didn't have a whole lot of understanding with what the football program was all about and what it needed and didn't really have any ambition to make it better and didn't really fight for his coaches, right? Because, you know, he's the guy who's got to convince the administrators to free up money and to do things. He didn't, and I'm sure coaches have always been requesting that stuff, didn't really fight for them. I mean, we we told you that story last week from the Barry Jackson article, which says a lot, right? Uh, last year, a couple of years ago, Blake James had a meeting with Miami's board of trustees. This story was told by Dan Lambert, um, trustee uh, member, American top team CEO, you know, has done a lot of NIL with Miami over the past year. And Dan Lambert told Blake James, like, hey, I don't really think you have a great grasp of the football program. We would like to foot the bill for you to hire somebody like Alonzo Highsmith, who now gets that job two and a half years later. I'm going to write you a check. If I can write you a check right now for 500 k if you can inspire us and tell us how would you use this money? If I give you a blank check right now, what would you like to improve? And he's like, well... I think we could spruce up the locker rooms, add a couple of analysts. That was his ambition. Like, if, if I want to write you a big check right now, what would you use it on? A couple more analysts, spruce up the locker rooms. And Dan Lambert said, is that your real answer? Are you kidding me? Like, I asked you a serious question. Give me your real answer. He's like, yep, that's my real answer. So that shows you the sort of ambition or lack thereof. Now, I'm sure... When Blake has gone through the interview process at Boston College, I'm sure he's told them because they've asked him, hey, what happened at Miami? Why didn't it work out at Miami? I'm sure he told them I didn't have the type of support from the administration that I needed. Um, they didn't give me any sort of a budget, red tape everywhere. Now, all of a sudden, they've opened everything up after they got rid of me. They didn't give me that. I'm sure he's giving them that. Maybe some of that is fair, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any Miami fan is going to miss Blake James very much. All right, guys, huge shout out and thank you for tuning in. And thank you for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. Now make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Tulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. My friends, we will talk to you tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.